Uh, Good morning, everyone. Let's pray together before we think about this passage. Father in heaven, please teach us by your word. Help us to see what your word says about Jesus, the good shepherd. Lord, we pray that we would listen to him well this morning. You give us believing hearts, repentant hearts, and you might guide all the words that I speak for the glory of your name. Amen. What does it mean to know someone? I mean, if I asked, do you know Neil? You'd probably say yes. I know you recognize him. You've spoken with him, if not more. But who really knows Neil? I'm sure that Jane, his wife, does. His children and closest friends do. And and we don't know Neil like they do. But we can know someone, can't we? Or we can at least know details about them. But we realize that that's different from really knowing them. We, we realize it's different from knowing someone personally, deeply, relationally. And so I ask, do you know Jesus? What's your response to that? Do, do you really know him in the sense that you have a close relationship with him? Does he know you? Do you know Jesus like the sheep on that video know their shepherd? Our passage today prompts us to think about the relationship between Jesus and his people, his sheep. And we'll see that Jesus is the good shepherd who knows his sheep and he dies for them. Last week, back in John chapter 9, Jesus healed that man who was born blind. He healed that man on the Sabbath and the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, were not happy. The man was blind, but he now sees. He's become a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. While the Pharisees, even at the end of the chapter, they remain spiritually blind and still guilty of sin. Still, in chapter 10, Jesus continues to speak to them and to warn them. And we're going to cover the first 21 verses that we've just read under the three headings that are in the outline in your new sheet. Uh, The gate, the good shepherd and the sheep. So firstly, the gates, the way to be saved. Jesus tells this parable, this story, and he begins with anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate is a thief and a robber. Now back then, some sheep pens or folds, they could be attached to the shepherd's home, a bit like a courtyard. But this pen is likely an independent enclosure with a gate. And the sheep are led in uh, to be safe at night. It may be a bit like that picture on the screen. And you'll see there Jesus speaks of a gatekeeper or a watchman. Uh, he's like a guard. Uh, Jesus doesn't say what that represents because not all of the story's details are significant or explained. Still, the Pharisees don't understand what's meant and Jesus makes things clearer when he expands in verse 7 and following when he says, Truly, truly, I tell you, I am the gates for the sheep. Jesus is the gate. Verse 9 says, Whoever enters through him will be saved. In 2014, a Sudanese woman, Miriam Ibrahim, was facing execution for refusing to renounce her Christian faith. Six weeks later, amazingly, she was, in answer to prayer, freed from death row. But then she was again detained at the airport. And so when she was released from there, fearing for her life, no doubt, she fled to the US embassy in Khartoum, Sudan. And she later made it to Italy and to freedom, praise God. But I ask, if Miriam tried to get into that embassy, 
in some other way than the gates, do you think she'd be successful? Could she have just climbed over the fence? No. The only way to enter the safety and security of the embassy was by the gates. And the only way to enter heaven and come to God is by the gates. Who's the gates? Jesus says in John 14 verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. We've sung it already this morning. No one comes to the Father except through me. To come to God and to be saved, we can come only through Jesus. And we're likened to sheep, defenceless, often stupid, weak. And to enter the safety and protection of God's sheep pen, we must come through Jesus by totally trusting totally in him and not in ourselves. With Jesus, we are kept safe. We are rescued from danger and eternal destruction. And if you look at verse 9, we also, through Jesus, get to enjoy the pasture. That means we get eternal provision in God's presence, all our needs provided for. And what Jesus is describing here is, is an ultimate safety and security, eternal provision in God's presence for all who come through Jesus. For Jesus is the gate. Do you know and believe that Jesus is the gate, the only way to God? Do your friends and family know that? But there are also thieves and robbers who would steal and harm the sheep. And verse 1 implies that the Pharisees are thieves and robbers. This is supported by Ezekiel 34, our earlier reading, which gives important background to this passage. In Ezekiel 34, God says, Israel's leaders have not shepherded God's people. They've not cared for the flock, but only themselves. They've used and abused the sheep. They've neglected the suffering. They've abandoned the lost. They've ruled them harshly. And back in John chapter 10, verse 8, Jesus isn't literally saying that everyone before him, even the prophets, were thieves and robbers, but the Jewish hierarchy, the Jewish leaders over generations had failed to lead God's people to salvation. They'd failed to shepherd God's sheep by feeding them, faithfully teaching them God's word. And so God says in Ezekiel 34, he's promising here that he will come and he will shepherd God's people. He will shepherd his people. Listen to what he says, what God says in Ezekiel 34 from verse 11. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. I will rescue them. I will bring them out of the nations. I will pasture them. I will tend them in good pasture. I myself will tend my sheep. I will search for the lost. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. I will shepherd the flock with justice. I will save my flock. No mistake about who's going to do it. And yet, at the end of the passage, in the end of the reading there, verse 23, God says, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them and be their shepherd. So so God will shepherd them, and yet David will shepherd them. 
David, his servant, will do it. And and the only way that we can understand how this is true is in the coming of Jesus. That's our next point, the shepherd. We've seen over and over again, haven't we, in John's Gospel, that Jesus is God in the flesh. He is divine. He is God. He is the Son of God. Come Come among them. He is the great I am. And yet, he's also a human being, born of Mary, a descendant of King David. Indeed, he is the 2 Samuel 7 promised son of David who will rule on the throne forever. And so Jesus is God come to shepherd God's people, the one who is fully God and fully man. The one who will lead and protect and save God's people. While the Jewish leaders failed, Jesus, John 10 verse 11, he is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd who fulfills Ezekiel 34. He's also the fulfillment of Psalm 23. Familiar to many of us, I'm sure. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Jesus does that for us. He's not like the false shepherds of Ezekiel 34, and he's not like the self-righteous Pharisees in John 10. And Jesus is not like some church leaders today who are abusive or who are greedy for money, greedy for power. He is good. Jesus is truly and completely good. And as the good shepherd, verse 11 says, he lays down his life for the sheep. He doesn't neglect the sheep. He doesn't use them for his own selfish ends. He cares for them and he dies for them. Do you remember how when King David was young, remember that he was a shepherd, a shepherd boy. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, David says this to King Saul. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And so David as the shepherd risked his life for the sheep, for his sheep. But better than that, greater than that, Jesus has given his life for his sheep. He gives his life for his sheep. Being truly good, being filled with grace, he willingly dies for his sheep. It's not like, it's not some accidental death, but a willing sacrifice an intentional sacrifice. And as an an aside, your pastors as under-shepherds of the great shepherd, we should be displaying similar loving self-sacrifice. And if we are husbands, as husbands, fellow husbands, as we lead and lead our wives and families, it should be shaped by 
Christ-like, loving self-sacrifice. Because Jesus intentionally sacrificed himself for us. On the cross, he gave up his life for his sheep, for his people, for us. Because the wages of sin is death. The punishment for our sin, our rejection of God is death. But instead of us experiencing God's judgments, Jesus took that for us. He died our death and we are saved. You can be saved by trusting in his death for you in your place. Jesus died for you, Christian. And I pray that 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 will hit you today. I pray that Jesus' dying for you will move you today. Just your mind, but your hearts, even your emotions. Of his own accord, verse 18, of his, by his own choice, Jesus laid down his life for us. He lays it down knowing he will take it up again and rise. But the death of Jesus, the Son of God, was no cosmic child abuse. It was the Father's plan and will, and the Father loves him for it. But it was also Christ's will, his choice. Jesus willingly died for you, me, for all his sheep. Amazing love, how can it be that Christ my God would die for me? Amazing. As well as dying for his sheep, though, Jesus, the good shepherd, knows his sheep. Look at verse 3. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I think when we Aussies think of sheep, uh, we likely picture this, the picture on the right. Oh, sorry, on the left, I mean. Picture on the left, that's what we think of. Sheep being chased, herded, driven by motorbikes and sheepdogs. That's not what Jesus is talking about. When you think of what Jesus is speaking of here, picture more, picture on the right. Because for first century, eastern sheep farmers, they knew their sheep and their sheep followed them, just like on the video we watched earlier. Like on that video, the sheep know their shepherd. He knows them. And if you've turned from sin and trusted in Jesus, then he knows you. He knows you. He knows your name. He knows you personally, deeply, truly. He knows your thoughts. He knows your faults. He knows your hidden sins that no one else knows. And he died to forgive them all. For all of them. And now he he accepts you. He loves you, he leads you. The hired hand, says Jesus, doesn't know or truly care for the sheep. And the wolf in verse 12 just wants to destroy them, whether that's the devil or or false teachers. But in verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. It reminded me of Psalm 139 that you may know too. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. 
You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. And at the end, verse 23, you search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Our shepherd knows us. In a world where people struggle with depression and anxiety, in a world where our identity is often tied to how good we are at something, how good we are, how good looking we are or not, how successful we are, in a world where our identity can be defined by our gender or our sexuality or our usefulness, or whether our identity is defined by what other people think of us. Maybe for you that's your parents or it's your friends or what others say about you on social media or respond to you on social media. Whatever it is, however others look at us, this passage should change all that. Because what defines my identity is not how I look. It's not how good I am at something or what others think. What defines my identity, who I am at the core, is what God thinks of me. I'm made by God, and in Jesus I am forgiven and I am loved. And so at the, at the centre of my identity and yours, brothers and sisters, is that I am one of Jesus' people. And so we can say, I'm loved by him, I'm accepted by him. He leads me. He knows me. I'm fully known personally by God and I'm passionately loved by Christ. That's who I am. And our intimacy with Christ even mirrors the intimacy that Christ, the Son of God, has with the Father in verse 15. It's amazing. And so Christ loves you He has saved you. He leads you. Let that define your identity. Let the truth of the gospel and your relationship with Christ redefine your identity. This brings us to our third point, the sheep. We're told over and over the sheep listen to their good shepherd. In verse 3, the gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd and the sheep listen to his voice, just like on the video. Verse 4, the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They don't follow a stranger's voice, we're told. The sign that someone is one of Jesus' people is that they listen to him. They listen to his word, not not the word of the Pharisees and not false teachers today. Many of the Jews, in verse 20, they accuse Jesus at the end of being insane or demon-possessed. They don't believe him because they are not his sheep. And so I ask you, are you one of Jesus' sheep? Do you listen to him? And by listen, I don't just mean hear like you hear my voice now. By listen, Jesus means understand, follow, obey, And don't just follow in the sense that you... What I'm saying is follow his voice and and not the 
the voice of your favourite podcast preacher or what your favourite writer says. Uh, do, you, do you listen to his voice here? Do you follow his voice in this? Are you making time to read it? You're taking it in. You're reading it regularly and feeding on it. For me, that takes time to reflect on it. If you keep listening to his word, you'll be strengthened to keep following him. I think we all need that. Looking at verse 16, we are not of the Jewish sheep pen, so to speak. We're among these other sheep that Jesus refers to who are Gentiles, non-Jewish people from the nations who also listen to his voice and come to Jesus. We're one of them. Or we may say we're, we're all like the one lost sheep that Jesus leaves the 99 for to find and to save in Luke 15. He came to find and save and bring us home. Again, I ask you, are you listening to Jesus' voice? Are you listening right now? Or are you just at church out of habit because your parents make you? Because if you don't listen to Jesus and follow him, you will not be saved. Are you actively listening now or are you sitting passively and maybe even distracted right now? Maybe you're thinking about the pattern on the wall behind me. And maybe you're reading something else on your phone. Maybe you're thinking about, I've got to get the dog vaccinated this week. I need to get the lunch on when I get home. Maybe taking notes on that outline would help you to listen intentionally. Because we all need to believe that Jesus is the one he claims to be. We need to actively trust in him and keep on trusting in him or you will miss out on life. And that's because as Jesus' sheep, we get full life through Jesus. Well, we've heard that we get life because Jesus, the good shepherd, laid down his life. But I want to finish in this final point by drawing your attention to verse 10. John 10, verse 10, it's a great memory verse. Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. And for a sheep, that meant being fat and flourishing. It's about being content and safe and secure. Jesus promises his people, those who he knows and who know him, life to the full. And that full and abundant life, it starts now and it will go on forever. Let me explain. You remember Peter said to Jesus at the end of John chapter 6, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And in the next section that we'll come to next week, in John 10 verse 28, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish and no one can snatch them out of my hands. So full life is ultimately eternal life with God it's fully experienced at the resurrection in the new heaven and the new earth. Yet still, the full life Jesus gives, it starts now. It really starts now. And when I say that, you might be thinking, okay, Clinton, 
Jesus promises to give us fullness of life, but my life doesn't feel pretty. My life doesn't feel or seem so full at the moment. When facing grief, cancer, loneliness, pain, stress in relationships, or maybe you are just coping, feeling like you're just coping day to day, maybe your life feels more of a struggle than full and abundance. I get that. Let's remember that Jesus is our good shepherd now. He died for us. He rose again. And by faith in him, we have many blessings. You might like to look those passages up the bottom of the outline later on. But we can be filled with thankfulness because all our sins are forgiven. All of them. Christ gives us a hope that overcomes the fear of death. We'll see that in John chapter 11. Christ protects his sheep from Satan who'd like to devour us. With our King and Good Shepherd Jesus, he is mighty to protect us from all evil. Also, he gives us his spirits and his spirit who assures us of God's love. Romans chapter 5 verse 5. And calling to mind the gospel, it fills us with the love of God. And so suffering, it involves loss, a loss of health, a loss of freedom, a loss of status, even of love when we lose loved ones. These losses are real and they are painful. But time and again, I see people who know God coping with these losses better because they never lose God. Nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Through some real financial and other challenges that endured in my life, my family's life for over two years, um, I experienced God giving me strength for the day, even if it felt like it was just enough for that day. Then you have to rely on him for the strength for the next day. With a trust in God's promises, we can be confident to face the challenges that come to us. Because where Christ leads us, God works all things for our good and our growth. We are safe and secure in his care. That means we can be content whatever is going on. Nothing can hurt us that God does not use for our good and our growth. Tim Chester, in this encouraging and helpful book, Enjoying God, he highlights that it's God's spirit who works in us to bring this growth and good about. And he says up on the screen, when you have faith in Christ, you're enjoying the spirit's life. When you willingly serve, you're enjoying the Spirit's life. When, you're, when you joyfully sacrifice for Christ, you're enjoying the Spirit's life. When you have affection for your Christian brothers and sisters, you're enjoying the Spirit's life. When you recoil from sin, you're enjoying the Spirit's life. When you have any desire for holiness, you're enjoying the Spirit's life. I'd add your living this life to the full. 
we have full life now, but in the resurrection life to come, it will be full to overflowing. It's just like at the moment in this life, we are experiencing some wonderful pre-dinner finger food or hors d'oeuvres and we await the fullness of the main course and the lavish desserts to come in heaven, the new heaven. I don't know whether you're a mains person or a dessert person. Whatever it is, the best is yet to come. And we look forward to our resurrection life with hope and with joy and with expectation, don't we? We should, and we do, especially when life's a struggle. But Jesus, our good shepherd, he blesses his people with abundant life. It surpasses any other life you could live. Believe it. He really gives life to the full. Believe it. Brothers and sisters, remember what you have through Christ. Remember what you have in and through Christ. Keep listening to his word, reading it, feeding on it, heeding it. Do not stray. Four years ago at Donvale Prezi, where I last served, a woman called Jenny shared her testimony. She came from communist China, not knowing God. She arrived in Melbourne in 2012 and she joined the free conversational English classes that we were running at church. She was hungry to know more and she joined a Bible study and an older Christian woman helped her to see that she was a sinner and only God could save her. And in Jenny's words, when she gave her testimony and was baptised, she said, I thank my friends who led me to know God, to understand and believe. I decided to follow God. Jesus is my saviour. I walked the, he, sorry, he walked the long, hard road of the cross to bear all our sins. I want to sincerely worship God in my life forever and do things according to his word. I will live my life as guided by the Bible. I will always have faith and follow God. I know that I have eternal life in heaven with God. Could they be your words? Jenny, with a difficult life now, is listening to her Lord. Are you? Keep listening to your good shepherd who knows you and who gave himself for you. Let's pray. Father God, we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've each turned to our own way. And you laid on him the iniquity, the sin and guilt of us all. He laid down his life for we, his sheep, unworthy as we are. Help us to turn to him and trust in him so that we can join your people, God, experience salvation now and all the more in its fullness in the life to come. Please help us to live our lives listening to Jesus so that we might know strength for the day and bright hope for tomorrow. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.